Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I am so proud of Kim Best. She's an amazing filmmaker. She not only had two of the most yummy films in this year's fifth annual New York Cat Film Festival, which is traveling the country. But she's had one or two films in every single year of the festival. In fact, she was probably the first submitter the very first year. And it gave me courage and hope. Wow, there's people making really interesting, cool movies about cats. Then it took about, you know, several dozen more movies to say, ah, and here's another good one. So Kim Best won and I presented her with in New York City at the premiere, the Gina Zaro Visionary Award, the first one and maybe the only one that will ever be given to anyone because Kim has a vision of cats and how to think about them and how to interact with them and how to laugh with them and let them have the last laugh that's really special. Kim, congratulations on winning the Visionary Award and actually inspiring me to create it. And also on your two movies this year, which, as always, are completely different than any other movie you've ever made and from each other. Your creativity basically knows no bounds. What is your day job? I've never asked you. Every year you come to the theater and you're so gracious and charming and happy to be there. Is this, the, is this what you do for a living? Do you make movies? Well, my day job for about 25 years was being a print journalist, a science medical journalist for newspapers and uh, journals. Um, But I sort of semi-retired about 10 years ago, went back to school to learn documentary filmmaking. So have worked um, under contract with various um, NGOs, nonprofits, mainly about, oh, international public health issues. No kidding. Um, Yeah. So during the pandemic, those contracts ended. And obviously, it was very, very difficult to do any sort of film work involving proximity to people, you know, hooking them up to mics, being in the same room and that sort of thing. So um, I sort of um, digressed, um, went off field and started scripting some comedic films. I had started doing that around cats as well before that. But um, I became much more focused on that because... I was sort of in lockdown with my cat, and so I got to observe him a lot more, and comedic ideas came to mind. 
as but a result. You, you've <laughs> been having comedic ideas since the first day our paths <laughs> crossed. Your movies just delight people and surprise them. I mean, this year's is super cool. It's called Cat of Letters, and you decided how would a cat solve Wordle? And it would have to use only cat-centric words. And it just did that. Are you a Wordle person? So did you do the Wordle and did your cat sit on your hand and and help? And then did you think, okay, do it yourself? How did that idea, where are these germs of your ideas? Because every year they're funny, but they're not funny in the way that cat videos are, which as everyone knows, I dislike heartily because they make you (laughs) laugh at cats and make and shame cats because they've gotten their head stuck in a Kleenex box or fallen <laughs> off of a shelf into a bowl of milk, whatever those things are. Yours are funny because cats are so clever and witty and sneaky even. So when did the Wordle idea come to you? Uh, yeah, so I always have uh, observed cats, and I see them as creatures of intelligence and agency. Um, yes. You know, sometimes it's disguised with a sort of, look of indifference on their faces. Yes. <laughs> I sort of suspect there's a lot going on there. So anyway, when Wordle went viral, um, and I would sit there trying to figure it out myself, I realized that my cat might like to try to solve it as well. He has <laughs> um, demonstrated in the past that he has great cognitive abilities and likes to solve uh, puzzles of various types for my films. And so um, I, I thought about how he would perhaps Try, he would approach uh, Wordle, and I thought, well, he'd probably use words that would mirror his feline experience in some way. And then, in particular, um, I thought he would probably use dog-related words, because he might have suspected that harnessing his condescension towards <laughs> dogs could actually focus his attention. <laughs> so that's how that got started, and... Um, in case anybody sees this little four-minute film, <laughs> apart from the film festival, um, or with it, um, I won't give away how yeah, he don't. finds his success. But, but he does um, succeed, yeah. <laughs> and, and as you say at the end of the film, the cat doesn't talk, which is a blessing because we, we don't really need them <laughs> to talk, but has great subtitles and explanations. But no cheating. You actually did the real wordles, imagining what your cat would have chosen as the as the words, and... Several of them were ones that apparently stumped everybody, so it was quite funny to watch it and see screenshots of people making comments on social media, oh, I'm going to kill myself, I can't do this, this is the worst <laughs> ever, I'm a loser. Meanwhile, the cat's solving it using cat words. Yeah. The other film you made, and you've made a number of documentaries, you made a fantastic one, I forget in which year, about a man in your neck of the woods, I think in North Carolina, who made a cat museum, which was also a cat rescue, a wonderful older gentleman. It was a, a building, a house-like building full of cat memorabilia. But this year you found a man who's a cat, a cat, a tree climber, an arborist, I guess you call it, but that might be uh-huh, the... F- uh-huh. And he's rescued over 250 cats, and you got amazing footage, some of it from his GoPro, a lot of it shot by you, of him rescuing cats and trees now was because you were a journalist and because therefore you're aware of things in the news and and current events did you read about this man and then track him down or how did he cross your path 
Yeah. Um, a number of years ago, I belonged to a gym. And um, when I went to the gym, all the people working out there were firefighters and police. And oh. um, at the time, I, I got the idea as I was running on the treadmill. I thought, you know, sometime I should approach some of the firemen here and ask if they actually do what they're purported to do is rescuing cats out of trees from time to time. Yes. And I ac- actually lost that opportunity because during the pandemic, the gym closed. It has not reopened. But one day I was sitting around thinking, well, maybe I'll call a fire department and, you know, follow up on this idea. And I began Googling. And the first thing I ran into actually was Patrick Brandt's website, Patrick Brandt being the uh, protagonist of yes. this short film. Um and I was struck by the fact that he had a lot of film footage of his right. rescues taken with his GoPro um, on his helmet that he wears when he's climbing trees. So I contacted him. He's an extremely kind, generous, available, approachable, um, erudite person. And um, so we talked about um, whether he'd be interested in having me film a couple of his rescues, and he agreed to that. And of of ultimate, you know, uh, essential uh, value to this, he offered to share his GoPro footage with me. And had he not, I I don't think I would have proceeded with this because it's those shots of him high up in trees. I mean, um, a lot of times he was, you know, 70, 80 feet. Um, You know, uh, that, that was not typical. Actually, that was an extreme. But, you know, he would be maybe 60 feet up in the air. So um, that was something I wasn't going to be able to do. I wasn't going to be able to climb up there. I had a drone, <laughs> but I would certainly not have taken drone shots of cat rescues. So, um, yeah, uh, but I was, you know, of all the films I've done, this has been one of the ones that I have appreciated most um, in terms of his own um, description of why he does yes. this. And if, the bottom line, as he says, it's to relieve suffering. And he wants to help cats because he cares about animals. And he wants to help people who are worried about their cats. And he works with people from all sectors of humanity who love their cats. So he's been to trailer parks. He's been to mansions. He's been all over the place. And the unifying thing in our divisive world has been this love of cats. Um, So I I found that to be really heartwarming um, and I don't know, it's just um, sort of a relief. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you focused on a lady that was wearing her Waffle House uniform. And yeah. it was hard to understand where she lived. Was it a trailer? But it certainly was sort of in some tangly woods. And her heart was just broken for this cat who'd been up there a couple of days. And it was it was wonderful. I'm, You know, the thing about your documentary style, and each year that you have more than one film, it tends to be a very fanciful one, usually quite funny, and then another that's a documentary. And I didn't realize you had actually taken education in making documentaries, which would explain why yours are not only so well thought out and so well shot, but well edited. And I wonder if this is something you can encourage other people to do that might have the inclination, well, maybe you have a cat colony or a fabulous cat rescuer who does TNR in your neighborhood and you'd love to make a little documentary. And I would welcome it into the dog film festival, or uh, sorry, the cat film festival, by the way. Uh But you don't know how to begin. Um, And the problem with a lot of the documentaries that get sent to me is that people don't know where to end it. So they shoot the footage and they feel like all of it's precious 
and they don't they don't understand they've repeated an idea or a theme or an image multiple times, which to an audience is really exhausting, irritating, and takes away the power of it. So there are right. a number of documentary filmmakers, even professionals, that do it for a living, or in your case, also you were doing it for a living, who I've made suggestions to, obviously very diplomatically, very politely, because I know the audience and the cat-loving audience wants to feel, they want to think, they want to hear, but they don't want to be beat over the head with the same idea several times. What would you say about taking a, cl- a course, a whole course in documentary filmmaking? Is that selection process, both of what you shoot and then how you cut it, is that part of what they teach you? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if uh, documentary film class is available, definitely. I think it's very important to do that. I, I think... Um, you know, part of the thing is learning how to tell the story. Yes. And, and I think that's one thing that you have really emphasized, you know, saying the cat films that you show are different from cat videos that are snippets, sometimes exploiting yes. cat antics. Mm-hmm. The films, on the other hand, are stories. There's a narrative, there's a trajectory that's for right. it. And, um, it's you know, you figure out what the hook is to get somebody in and then you develop it and, you know, it sort of reaches an apex, a climax, and then is resolved. And that's something that it really does help if you take a documentary film class to understand the storytelling um, protocol in a way. Um, now, trying to find one of those classes is very hard. I happen to uh, to go to Duke University Center for Documentary Studies. Oh, wow. And, um, so that was very helpful to me. Um, uh, you know, and... Back to address your point about the longevity or or how long films are, and you know we now have short attention spans. We need to keep things short. Um, even when I was doing print writing, uh, print journalism, um, I often said that it was very difficult to constrain right. what I had collected. All, all the material I collected, you know, it's the same for print journalism. That's right. Interview bunch That's of people right. and then you have to cut it down to like a, a small portion and I would um, make the sort of metaphor it's like you have your one and only baby and you you're faced with cutting off its arms and legs That's and right. getting down to its torso it sounds yeah. gruesome <laughs> but, but it feels gruesome the, at the time because you've written, interviewed so many people and you have all these great quotes and all this great insight and themes that's right and you have to be harsh with yourself right, but in but in the you know, in the finale of all this, yes, you get to the heart of things. It's the beating heart of it. Yes. And um, so, the, you know, taking a film class does help you because a lot of times you do get the feedback um, from, you know, fellow students or from instructors about, you know, uh, keep it short, you know, pull it together. This is more concise. This part is funny and it segues nicely into a more heartwarming right. thing and then you move on it's almost like orchestration lyrical orchestration but visual that's know? really well put it's very well put that's exactly what it is it's and that's sort of what the film festival itself is is taking you on this sort of ride through a, a different kinds of experiences both intellectual and emotional and mm-hmm. and bringing you along not doing too much of anything all at once because it can be overwhelming I don't know what you're going to do for the 6th Annual Cat Film Festival. And I must say, until this year, I didn't realize I kept picking Kim Best movies. I picked the best movies that I could of the many, many, many that were submitted. Kim Best were best over and over and over. So you obviously have the perfect last name. 
and your love of cats <laughs> and your appreciation of them and your visual acuity is fantastic. I mean, who knows? Maybe after another year or two, we'll have to do a whole, you know, a special best of Kim Best. It's possible. We're going to have to just put all of your films together. But I certainly hope that you have in the back of your mind and your cats are inspiring you on a daily basis what to do. I We only have another few minutes left, but you made a hilarious one about people who collect cat fur and then weave it. I'm just remembering that one into scarves and mittens. Oh, my goodness. This was a real thing. I guess part of it is be curious about the world around you. And if you love cats, there's many, many stories out there. You just have to look hard and then you can use your iPhone. A lot of films submitted are on iPhones. So you can do that Mm -hmm. and uh, be inspired by Kim. There's no style that she hasn't experimented with and succeeded with. And I'm sure there are more up her sleeve. Kim, thank you for being such a really integral, inspirational part of the Cat Film Festival. It's It really does float everybody's boat to see one of your movies. So keep on making good, good stuff and loving cats the way you do. Well, Tracy, I've been very, very honored and privileged to be part of this community that you've established over quite a number of years now. And, uh, you know, you are a force of nature and you're, you know, on behalf of dogs and cats all over the place and for their, you know, support and through the, uh, the uh, nonprofits who are associated with it um, and parts of the ticket sales going to those yep. efforts. You In know, every congratulations town. On Thank that. you so yep. much, Kim. It's wonderful to visit with you. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like No Hide and the Hybrid Dry Food Wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Weimar or Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.